Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Free Christian Church. It's a pleasure to be back. Obviously, I didn't do too bad of a job because I'm back up here, so, or else you're just, you know, just showing a lot of grace and mercy. Um, so today, we continue our series. We've been in a, a series called Everyday Wisdom. We've been looking at wisdom in the, the book of Proverbs, but today we kind of make a bigger shift um, in our study. We start to get into the very nitty-gritty of Proverbs. And so today is actually come to you with a very heavy heart as I talk about the subject I'm going to mention this morning, simply because I have a lot of practice at it, but I have not, uh, I'm not an expert at it. So as I thought about today's message, I started to think about a few things. And one of the first things I started to think about was this. I got issued in the Marine Corps uh, boot camp. Does anyone know what this is? I'll give you a little hint. There's these like mini scissors in here that don't fit actually men's fingers, so I don't know why. There's these. There's uh, some like olive green thread. Yeah, sewing kits. So when I got to Marine boot camp, they issued me a sewing kit. And I was like, did I come to Marine Boot Camp or did I go to Taylor School? Like, I didn't know why you gave that to me. Um, but within a few weeks, I realized why I needed it. The nature of the job necessitated a sewing kit because my uniform would get torn um, very easy. And it's the same thing with life. As we go through life, there are going to be relational tears that we experience. Genesis 3 makes clear of that. The fall didn't just affect our relationship with God, it, it affected our relationship with each other. And so that's what brings us to today's key scripture. Proverbs 79, it says, whoever would foster love or whoever desires to seek love covers over an offense or repairs intimate relationships. But whoever repeats the matter, whoever speaks of it, whoever gossips about it, separates close friends or just destroys that intimacy. So you see in this verse, in God's Word, we have a choice when it comes to these relational tears. We can either seek reconciliation and repair that relationship, or we could tear a larger hole into that relationship by repeating the matter. So today we're going to focus on how we repair that relationship in a message that I've titled Repairing Relationships. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your Word. I pray right now your spirit would go before us. Please just be with us as we tackle a very difficult and relevant topic of repairing relationships. So we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if any of you have ever actually hand-sewn anything, this needle right here, I know you guys can't see it, and I can barely see it, and I'm like six inches in front of it, but has anyone ever tried to thread a needle before? Yeah, it takes patience especially when you have fingers like mine that just don't have the dexterity. I think it took me quite a while to even thread this. And it's the same thing as we talk about repairing relationships. Repairing, repairing a relationship requires patience. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Relationships take time to get damaged, and they take time to repair. And you can't just rush into it. It's not just going to happen really fast. It's sort of like working out. 
You know, you have to build up to a certain level. You know, getting out of shape doesn't just happen overnight. It happens years of neglect. And, you know, I haven't been working out like I should lately. Well, for a couple years now. And now and then I decide, I was just telling uh, Pastor John, um, I decided yesterday, you know, I'm going to go and just go as hard as I can three miles. And I'm paying for it this morning. All right? So if I fall down or I need to take a seat, please don't take offense to that. But relationships take time to, to break down, to have tears, and they take time to build up as well. And cultivating patience in repairing a relationship starts with having proper expectations. I want you to write that down, having proper expectations. Write it down, circle it, exclamation points, whatever you got to do. We have to have proper expectations. You see, there are thought patterns and behavior patterns and these relational norms that have been developed over years either through our own sin, through trauma, through neglect. But nonetheless, there are these patterns that have been developed within relationships. And when we go and we want to make a change, oftentimes we have an expectation. And the expectation is way up here. But reality is right here. And in between is a difference. And that difference is disappointment. And so we have to have proper expectations. Things aren't going to change overnight. And oftentimes we seek these reactions from people. You ever notice that? You live for the reaction. You, you, you say, I, I, I did this, I, I, I went about this way to try to repair this relationship, and I expected a reaction, and I didn't get the reaction. And what happens? You're disappointed and you're upset at the person. So we have to have proper expectations. But the question is, is how do I remain patient as I repair a relationship? I mean, I want this so bad. I want to see change happen right now. How do, I, how do I cultivate this patience? How do I remain patient? I think we need to remain, we need to remember how patient God has been with us. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God has been so patient with us. If you are in this room right now at this church and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you know for a fact God has been patient with you. Amen. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> How many times you come and you say, God, I will never do this again, but yet you find yourself doing the same thing, yet God remains patient with you, and he expects us to be patient with others. So that's the first thing. Now, as I began to sow, you know, in my mind, things are, just seem easy. I don't know why. I have a very optimistic kind of point of view. So I'm like, sowing a, a hole, no big deal. But when you start to sow, sowing is hard. Would you, would you agree with that? Sowing things by hand is hard. It humbles you very quickly, especially if you're a person who likes to be good at everything. And so it's the same thing in repairing a relationship. Repairing a relationship requires humility. It's hard work. Proverbs 22.4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Repairing a relationship is hard, but on the other side of that work is reward. But in the midst of repairing a relationship, it doesn't feel like a reward. It feels like a battleground. And your loved one could become your enemy really fast. You ever notice that? Eric and I, in the Bethke household, it's, it's very um, competitive. We started off uh, our relationship very competitive. We, our first date was playing ping pong 
and I won, by the way. Uh, and, and I remind her of that all the time, so. Hey. <laughs> Don't tell her that. But we had this box of Scrabble, and we just found it not too long ago. And every time we play a Scrabble game, we write down who won. And I am humbled every time we play Scrabble because I make words up that don't exist, and she has a very good vocabulary. But we keep score in our Scrabble game. But here's the thing. We often keep score when we are trying to repair a relationship, don't we? And we have to remember that keeping score has no place in repairing a relationship. And here, let me, let me if I could just say this. You have to remember as you're repairing this relationship who the bigger, biggest sinner in that relationship is. And it's you. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the biggest sinner in this relationship. It's all right. <laughs> That's the truth. You have to come into it with that, I'm not keeping score. I'm the biggest sinner in this relationship. Oh, and by the way, in the eyes of God, both you and I have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm no better than you are, and you are no better than me. So what does humility in relationships look like? It's interesting, as you begin to sew, hand sew a garment, you can get easily distracted. I can remember sewing my, my uniform. I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm going, I'm sewing around, and... All of a sudden, I notice loose threads over here, so I start to take the, these little mini scissors out, barely fit my hands, and trying to cut it, and oh, then I notice that I'm going to have to fix that too, but I'm forgetting that the issue is the hole in my pants that I have to fix, and oftentimes, that happens in relationships. Humility, humility starts with overlooking the little things and addressing the big things. Write that down, overlooking the little things and addressing the big things. Oftentimes, we, we address the symptom of the issue and not the actual problem. There's times I come home and, oh, I even hate to admit this, but I, I come home and Erica's shoes will be on the floor. And I got these little weird pet peeves. I don't know what it is. I'm just a weirdo sometimes. But there's shoes right there. And I see the shoes and we'll talk and I'll go, you know, everything wrong with our relationship, and I use these generalizations, everything's wrong with our relationship because you put shoes on the floor where they're not supposed to go. She's like, that's ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> You're laughing because you probably said the same thing, but it was something different. Like it was toast crumbs or coffee grounds or something like that, all right? But the thing is I'm dress addressing the symptom, and the issue is, is we're having communication issues. We need to address that. And oftentimes, instead of addressing those big issues, we, we deny that there's even a problem, or we blame shift. We say, oh no, things would be better if that person did this. So the question is, is why do we not address the big things? It's fear. It's fear. We're afraid that that relationship will end and we'll, we'll, we'll be alone. We're afraid of change. We are so afraid of change. You know what? It's a really bad relationship, and the dynamic is bad, but at least it's what I know. So I don't want to change it. Sometimes it comes about by thinking, well, what are other people going to think if I address this big issue? They're going to think we're all messed up. Our family's messed up. My kid's messed up. And then there's also a fear of, I don't want to come off judgmental. 
I just don't want to come off judgmental. I don't want to come off like I'm on my high horse. So the question is, is how do we address these big things? Because here's the thing. These big things need to be addressed. The most loving thing you could do is address these big things in your relationship. So how do I do it? We need to use God's word to define and confront the issues. We need to use his word. We need to say, listen, this is what God says about the subject. It's not me. It's not my subjective thoughts. It's what God says about it. And we need to to define the problem as God defines the problem. But here's the thing. That means you need to know scripture. You need to dig into this. You need to find out what God wants and what he's saying and how to repair your relationship and what the problem is. Additionally, you need to be a safe person to talk to as you address these things. And lastly, you need to pray before, during, and after that conversation that God would open up the person's heart and there would be reconciliation within that relationship. You see, here's the thing. Humility in repairing relationships means that we lay out all of our darkness that we have hidden and stuffed in the deepest areas of our life and expose them to the light of the cross so that healing could happen. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed to the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We have to expose those things. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what's in our relationship. This is all the gunk that's in our relationship and cast it in front of the light of the cross and just in humility come to him knowing that when we expose it to him, that there's hope there in our relationship. So that's the second thing. The third thing. It's funny as you... As you start to hand sew and you're, you're sewing, um, it gets a little discouraging. And you go, is this even worth it? I'm, it's taken me three hours to fix a hole that's maybe this like three inches long. Like, really, is it worth it? Because it doesn't feel like it's worth it. It's just a lot of work. But you have to have trust. You have to sit there and go, you know what? It is worth it. Because I'm not going to have a hole in my, in my, my uniform anymore. And it's the same thing in repairing a relationship. Repairing a relationship requires trust. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Pastor John preached on this not too long ago. The question is, is how could I trust them? How can I trust them? They're not trustworthy. How can I trust them? And you know what? I'm not asking you and God's not asking you to trust them. What he's saying is, trust me. Trust me in this process. He has promised you that he will use this for your holiness and for his glory. He has promised that. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has said, you know what, I'm going to use everything. I'm going to use sin in a sinless way, even the sin in a relationship, for your holiness and my glory. That's exciting. Psalm 91, 1 and 2 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
It's difficult when we want to repair a relationship and things aren't going the way that we want them to go. We need a shelter. We need a trust. And we can't go inside of ourselves. We need to go and run to him and take refuge in God. He's the only one big enough for us to take refuge in and to rest in. So i got to ask you, will you rest in him? Will you trust him? Here's a tougher question. And hear me on this. the relationship is never repaired to your satisfaction because of sin or whatever, if it's never repaired to your satisfaction or never repaired at all, repaired at all, is Christ enough for you? Is the relationship you have with Christ, is that enough for you to rest in? Because oftentimes we, we have this panic when things aren't going the way we want, and trust is very difficult, and we lose sight of who Christ is and our primary relationship, with it, which is our relationship with Christ. That is our primary relationship. So you're going to trust him. So that's the third thing. Sometimes your uniform is just so worn out, and it's been torn so many times. Like, you can't even, you can't even repair it anymore. There's just so many things. And sometimes you just need a new one. So you go to supply and they give you a fresh uniform. You need a fresh start. You need to be forgiven and given a new uniform. And repairing a relationship requires forgiveness. A fresh start. I'm not saying to trade in people, by the way. Don't read too much into the analogy. (laughs) But repairing a relationship requires forgiveness. Proverbs 16, 6 says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for or covered over for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is an exchange. Forgiveness is an exchange. It's, It's one person saying, I have sinned. I have sinned against the holy God and against you. It's like David in Psalm 51, against you, Lord, have I sinned. It's like Joseph when he's given that proposition by Potiphar's wife, and he says, how can I sin against God in this way? It's coming before and saying, I have sinned against you, not I'm sorry. Sorry doesn't cut it. It's saying, I've sinned against you, God, and I've sinned against you to the person, and I've sinned in this way, and it's, it's very specific. Will you forgive me of that? Will you not hold it against me anymore? And it's the other person recognizing that and saying, I will not hold it against you anymore. And there's an exchange there. It's not simply saying, I'm sorry that you're not feeling that well. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. And it's a costly, it's a a very costly thing. The The person who's exercising forgiveness is absorbing that They're letting go of any sort of judgment, any sort of retribution to include repeating the matter, as we saw in Proverbs 17.9. You don't gossip about it anymore. It's done. It's over with. We don't talk about it anymore or to other people. You can talk it amongst yourselves, but not to anyone else. But the question is, is how can I forgive someone? How can I forgive them? You don't understand what they've done. You don't understand how they've, they've made me feel. And here's the thing. 
And if you miss this, you're missing a lot. Our forgiveness flows out of how much we have been forgiven by God through Christ. You can't forgive on your own power. That's impossible. You don't have it in you. You're not infinite. You're finite. So if you're trying to forgive on your own power, you're going you're gonna to fail. Forgiveness flows from the grace that God has given us in Christ, from the forgiveness that we've experienced in Christ. Forgiveness starts with the gospel. The gospel that says, I am a sinner of I, and I have sinned against a holy and just God and I deserve God's wrath and I deserve hell. But yet God came down clothed in flesh and he lived a perfect life. A perfect life. And when I put my faith and trust in him, his life has been imputed to mine. And when God the Father sees me, he now sees his perfect son. And he does not count that sin anymore. And our forgiveness flows from that truth. That's why understanding our sin is so important. If you just say, I, just, I mess up sometimes, you're not really doing grace the justice that it deserves. You see, we must know the bitterness of our sin to experience the sweetness of God's grace. And that gives us the context in which we could forgive others. I pray, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, that we'd love to talk to you about that. I know some of you are here and you're exploring that. I'd love to talk to you about that afterwards. As I close up, I'm going to ask you a question. Because I know as I've been talking that you guys have thought about relationships that need repairing. I know right now that maybe it's the person that's sitting next to you. Or maybe it's someone who's in a different state. But I have to ask you the question, what relationship needs repairing in your life? I'm going to invite Fernando to come up here. And as he comes up here, in a few minutes we're going to partake in the Lord's table. And our Lord makes it clear that before we relationally commune with him at his table, that we seek reconciliation, relational reconciliation with others. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 5, 23, 24, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So I'm going to ask Fernando just to play, just play an instrumental, and I want you to take a moment. This is just between you and the Lord. Just between you and the Lord, and I want you to confess. I want you to ask him, is there any relationships that need repairing? I want you to confess those things. I want you to ask him to help. Beg him to help. And ask him, how do I make this happen, Lord? How do I rest in your forgiveness? So just take some time alone between you and the Lord here.